Um, this weekend, I want to talk about three doors in the book of Revelations. Now, when you talk about the book of Revelations, we immediately would think about the apocalypse, we would think about eschatology, all prophecy concerning the end times and the second coming of Jesus Christ, and then especially all the woes and the judgments that's coming on the earth. It's quite a little scary book, okay? But, uh, and we see Revelations as a divine revelation of events that will happen in the future, culminating in the end of this present age that we are in. And this is true. In fact, the book of Revelations is one of the key books in the Bible that really deals with the end times. And whenever you talk about eschatology, you cannot run away from the book of Revelations. However, I want to suggest to you that this book is much more than just about the end times or the last days. But at its very core, it is a revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, if you were to put on the lens of just looking at it from the end times, then I think you'll miss the crux of what this book is talking about. You see, the first vision recorded for us in the book of Revelations is about Jesus Christ. And the last vision for us in the book is also about the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout this book, it is recorded for us the agenda of the Father through our Lord Jesus. We find the judgments that Jesus made, the sacrifice of our Lord, the kingship of Christ. We see the followers of Jesus, the 144,000. And then, of course, we finally experience the triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything is about the Lord. Everything is about Christ. And if we don't see that and we put on the lens of Christ when we read this book, I think that we wouldn't quite fully grasp what this book is about. In fact, this book is so rich with insights, instructions, and understanding about what God is doing, what His ways are, and it gives us keys on how we are to build our lives. Now, I'm not going to talk about the whole book of Revelations today, of course, that will take forever, okay? But I just want to focus in on maybe something that is not quite uh, associated with the book of Revelations, and that is doors. In fact, at the beginning of this book of, of, the book, of the book of Revelations, we are actually shown three doors, and these three doors are found in Revelations 3.8, Revelations 3.20, and Revelations 4.1. And I want to consider these three doors with you. So in Revelations 3.8, uh, let me read the verse to you. It says, I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now let's go on to Revelations 3.20. Again, many of us would be able to recite this by heart. And Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. Finally, in Revelations chapter 4, verse 1, it says, After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now, we are probably all familiar or have gone through these three doors before in the book of Revelations, but maybe we have never kind of connected the three doors together. We see them independently, but I believe that because they are all clustered together, that God has a thread that He wants to weave into these three doors so that we can understand them together as, uh, as a sequence of three doors that God wants us to walk through. So let me go through this, okay? The first door, door number one. Guess what stands behind door number one? Contestant number eight, no, no. <laughs> door number one is an open door. I want to read one more verse to you, uh, the preceding verse from Revelation 3.8. And the Lord said this, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. Christ is speaking. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no, man, and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Right? I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. No one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, there is something that we need to come to understand because every time we talk about an open door, our immediate 
connection to an open door often is about an opportunity or some form of favourable circumstances that are beneficial to ourselves. Amen? Many times we pray and say, Lord, you know, uh, give me an open door in this situation, you know? And Lord, if this is not your will for me, then shut the door. And we pray about doors like that. Open, shut, open, shut. Because, and our connection is that, hey, if things, an open door means a, a door of opportunity, it's about ourselves and it has to be favourable. Right? And then you see some obstacles standing in before you and says, oh, this is a door that God is closing. But can I tell you this, that whenever the scripture talks about an open door, it is never talking about doors like that. In fact, Paul talks several times in his letters about open doors and in each of the times that he talks about an open door, it is always a door, an opportunity for the gospel to be preached. Paul talks about no other kinds of open door except a door to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know what, is, what else is connected to these open doors is that every time Paul talks about a door, the door comes with opposition and resistance. The door never comes with favourable circumstances. So if you start understanding and thinking, hey, an open door from God must be good, then you get it wrong. You know, we are told here, you know, that Paul declares that, that God gave him an effective open door in Ephesus. By the way, did you know that it was also in Ephesus that a man called Demetrius stirred up a riot against Paul and the whole city rose up against Paul and they wanted to kill Paul. Now, how would an open door look like that? Most of us would not consider this an open door. Yet, in fact, an open door is a door that comes with much opposition, but the key to understand is that even though there's opposition, that door cannot be shut because God has opened it. Amen? Now, I want to point out a few things about this open door that is uh, given to us in this verse. The first is this, that we must never trivialize our Christian walk and reduce it all to being about ourselves. Right? So often we think about an open door. It says, Lord, give me an open door. We're thinking about our jobs. We're thinking about opportunities. We're thinking about business deals. You know, we're always thinking about oh, our own personal advantage and advancement, isn't it? And our world, and the reason is because our world is so deeply self-centric that we've become self-centric. We've become, uh, you know, uh, we, we have gone into this pursuit for our own sense of security. And worse still, we begin to think that we're the centre of God's world. In, in fact, many times when I pray, I'm the center of God's will. You know, everything about me is right. Everything that's not in agreement to me is wrong. And that's how I pray. Lord, let them be shut down. Let them be quiet. Let them, you know. And I begin to think that I'm the center of God's will and all that I think is God, all that I think is right and God is for me. No, 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 no. That's not the point, right? When Joshua met the captain of the host, he asked, are you for us? Are you against us? That's a self-centric thinking. And then the captain of the host said, no, no, no. You follow me, you know, right? And one of the essential things about this first door, first open door, is that we got to realize a genuine open door from God is not about us. It's about God. It's not our agenda. It's His agenda. It's not our work. It's His work. And this reorientation is important. If not, we will never miss. We will never be able to grasp the open door that God has given to us. We will end up missing the point. You see. The preceding verse in verse 7 is this key of David, right? And, and God gave David a key in which whatever he shut will be shut. Whatever he opens, no man can close it, right? And it's, it's an incredible key to have. And yet, the, and this key is given to David precisely of David's standout quality, which is the fact that he's a man after God's own heart. He's always pursuing God's agenda and not his own agenda. And that's why the key is given to him. Now, if you want this key, you've got to come to a place where you embrace what is God and, what, and, and, and not what is yourself, okay? Now, the second thing we can take away is this. There's a triplet of deeds that constitute our responsibility because when Jesus is talking to the church of Philadelphia in this part, 
He said three things. He said, you have little strength, you kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Now, each of these things represents an obstacle in which we need to overcome. And if you don't overcome this, that open door that God has given to you is going to be nullified. It's going to be closed. Okay? Now, think of these three things. A little strength, okay? And essentially, it means that you've got to look beyond your own limitations. And let me, I'll explain that a little bit more. To, to have kept God's word is to stick to what God has spoken to you and not waver and not change, even when circumstances are not quite there. You know, uh, that you've not denied my name means do not compromise on the task. You see, when God opens a door for us, the first thing we often do is we look inwards and we see a particular set of limitations. Man, I don't think I can do this. Hey, I'm afraid of doing that. I don't think I've got enough resources. You know, I, I, you know, my abilities are not up to it. And the moment you look inward, you are always going to be limited. And yet precisely it is spoken to the church here that you had little strength and God uses he who has little strength because there is no limit in God when we rely upon God. And then when you consider what the word is, is has spoken to us, sometimes it's going to be very tough for us to keep doing what God has told us to do. Amen? we will grow weary. Maybe we don't see immediate results and we just think, hey, did I really hear from God? Now consider for a moment Abraham and Sarah, right? They get a word from God. I'm, you're you're going uh, to have a son, right? And then nothing happens until they're 90 years old and they still believe God. Let me tell you, if God spoke to uh, Wendy and, and me and we were in the shoes of Abraham and uh, Sarah, by the time we hit 45, uh, we forget this word already, you know. Uh, yeah, this is not right. We heard wrongly, you know. But these, this couple, 90 years old, man. Shucks. When I hit 90, I don't know if... <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, want, I don't want another kid at 90. <laughs> oh, man. But they had a word and they start. I mean, that's incredibly difficult to stick to the word that God has given to you. Finally, you know, outward circumstances will often pressure us to compromise, right? Opposition comes and... Pressure comes against us in the workplace, you know, or whatever it might be. And it forces us to decide, are we going to deny Christ and the work that He's given to us, or are we going to keep doing it? You see, this first door has to do with comprehending the task that God has given to us. Let me say this, God has given every one of us an effective open door. Every one of us. Our fields might be different. The arena that God has given to us may be different. And let me say that when God opens the door, no man is going to be able to shut it. But the deciding factor is not God shutting the door or people shutting the door. The deciding factor is do we end up nullifying this open door that God has given to us by looking at our own resources, by limiting and saying, hey, we can't do it. And every time you say you can't do it, you shut something in the Lord. I remember, I remember years ago, there was a vision that was given about this person, right? And the person shared this vision and how, you know, there's this massive pipe that God has put in the person's life and, 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 and yet the water that comes out of this pipe is a little tiny trickle. But the pipe is huge and in the end, the water is just a little trickle and the man asked the Lord, he says, why is that flow in my life just a little trickle? And then the Lord said to him, every time you say no to me, every time you say I'm not able, what you do is you shut the tap. You lock it up. And what is supposed to be a huge flow of God's provision becomes a little trickle. And that's what they do. We nullify the open door by, keep, by saying to God, no, it can't be done, right? 
And that's where faith is required. Or we forget the word He's given to us. I'm telling you so many times we start in something that God has given to us, we enter into an arena or a profession and we say, hey, we're going to serve God and we're going to do this for God. And then after a while, the mundane, the drudgery, you know, immediately I think about all the teachers, right? I mean, you enter the teaching profession not because it's some high-paying job or some glorious promotion or career step. You, most teachers go into teaching because they sense a calling. Right? And then suddenly they're inundated with all the administration, the assessment, the curriculum preparation, and this and that and this and that. And before long, you forget the Word of God. That this, what is your calling? You forget what is the purpose of this open door. And again, that nullifies this open door that God has given to us. Amen. Now, I want to really encourage us this weekend because as we talk about these three open doors, I really believe God wants us to respond. And this is one area. If, 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 if we need to be recalibrated into what God has called us to do, it is something, we, we got to get it this, this weekend, amen? We got to do this this weekend. You know, I responded to the call of God 21 years ago to come into full-time ministry. I had dreams about changing the world, preaching the gospel and doing the work of the ministry, but you know, I am doing a lot of administrative work. <laughs> You know, we really need a second building. I've been spending a lot of time talking to architects, looking at buildings and, you know, viewing. Um, and I tell you, I hate it. <laughs> I just wish a building would just appear and then that's it, you know. Right. But it's, that's part of the deal, you know. And I got to keep myself focused on the fact that, hey, first and foremost, I'm called to, to reach the lost. To preach the gospel, I mustn't forget that in spite of all the other things that comes along the way, amen? And I just feel like today, this weekend, God wants to recalibrate us and bring back that passion towards the mission He's given to us. The second door, door number two, okay, is the door of our hearts. You see, Revelation 3.20 is such a familiar verse, especially in, during Easter and Christmas, because here in Cornerstone, we always end off the, we start off the altar call by saying, hey, God is standing at the door of your heart, and He knocks, and man opens, He'll come in. All you non-Christians, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and knocking. But guess what? The correct context of this verse is not talking to non-Christians. It's talking to Christians. I find that incredible if you don't, you know, if you don't get it yet, Okay. You see, this door, firstly, is very distinct from the other two doors because the other two doors are already open and God is the one who opened it. But this door begins by being closed and God can't open it, only we can open it. The choice is ours. And this is especially true when it comes to our relationship with God, right? God never forces His way in. If, you, if we don't open the door, if we don't invite Him to participate in what we are doing, you know, God is a gentleman. He would abstain from participating in the decisions that we make in our lives. And I think that's scary. That is absolutely scary. Amen? And, and yet in Revelations 3.20, what we are told is this, okay? The church of Laodicea, the Christians have neglected their walk with God. They've lost their first love. They've come to a place where they begin to think that they're totally sufficient in themselves and they're no longer dependent upon God. And then this door appears. Jesus ends up on the outside. No, and, 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 and this door literally appears and now keeps Jesus on the outside when he should be on the inside. And, and I find this absolutely amazing because, hey, my question to all of us here, hey, maybe there are 600 of us here today in this, and there are maybe a few hundred people watching online. I want to ask you this. If Jesus were to reveal to all of us right now, if he's standing on the inside or the outside of our hearts, I wonder what it will look like. I wonder how many of us would actually right now be having Jesus standing outside instead of inside. 
And I would reckon to say that, hey, Jesus is standing on the outside many times, most of the times, and all of us have done this. All of us are guilty of this. And the primary reason we keep Jesus outside is because we don't need Him. Just like the Laodicean church who thought that they've got everything, they're rich, they're well-clothed, and they have no need of the Lord anymore. Now, we may never verbally say, hey, Jesus, I don't need you. But by our actions, we attest to it. Amen? Okay, you don't have to say amen to it. Okay. You just have to know, okay, that's true. Uh, you know, a few days ago, I was texting uh, Deacon Nathaniel, and Deacon Nathaniel is going through another round of chemotherapy. I think this is his four, fourth relapse in uh, cancer. And, um, and he was just sharing about the difficulties they're going through, decisions they have to make. Do we go for another round of chemo? Do we do this? Do we do that? And there is a desperation, because even the doctors don't know exactly what to do. They recommend something. And it drives them to a place, him and, uh, and Bella, his wife, uh, to a place where they really need to pray and ask God and says, Lord, please speak to us. Because cancer is not like a flu. Cancer is not like COVID, okay? I mean, cancer is totally unpredictable and you are at a loss of what to do. And the desperation is, Lord, please, who else is going to tell us what? Unless you speak to us, only you can give us peace in this decision. You see, most of us in our daily lives, in our daily walk, in our daily decisions, we don't have the same desperation because it's not life-threatening, right? And so we keep Jesus outside all the time, most of the time, right? And yet God intended to be living in us. He, he intended for us to come to a place of reliance upon Him. You know, Thursday, I was working on this message and I've been working on this message for a few days, but Thursday, I really sat down and worked on this message. I came to point two, okay? I'm talking about this door and this knocking. And then it dawned upon me, to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, where are you? Guess what I heard? I heard. <laughs> Shucks! While I'm preparing message, Jesus is outside. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And the last few nights, the last few days, I'm just so cognizant of the fact because suddenly I hear this knock on my door and, I, and Jesus is outside. I'm not backslidden. I'm reading my Bible. I'm spending, you know, I'm praying. I'm doing the work of God. But you can do all those things and still not be in communion with Christ. So last night, I, you know, I, after the, the service, I went to run. And as I'm starting my run, I said, Lord, you know, I just opened my heart to the Lord and says, Lord, run with me. And I, I, I did my run. And the Lord was with me in the run. I sensed Him. I felt Him. I want to ask you, is God knocking on your doors? And I, I, I just suspect the sadness of it that Jesus is always standing outside. <laughs> Wanting to come in. I want to string all this together later on, but let me go to uh, the, door num the third door, okay? Door number three is a door in heaven. Amen. And John the Revelator says this, After these, I looked up and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here and I'll show you things that must take place after this. Now, in the previous door, Jesus said that we would open the door and he would come in to us. Right? And, and so there's a place where he comes in to our realm and we commune with him. But this door is unusual. This door is different. This door is not found in us. It is found in Him. It is in heaven. And if I could say this, in this door, we are being invited not to, we are not inviting Him to come into our realm. We are being, we are being invited to go into His realm. And Jesus in our realm is very different from us in His realm. 
Because chapter four, immediately after John has his vision and he ascends and, oh, and enters through this door, is probably one of the most incredible chapters. I'm telling you, if you have a pursuit and you want to know God, you give yourself to study chapter four. But at the same time, I want, to, I want to tell you this, chapter four is very, very profound. It's very difficult to understand. And you really have to pour yourself into this. But think about what John saw once he went through this open door. He, see, he sees God's throne room. This is the place where God dwells. He sees God's throne. This is where God sits. And he sees God who sits on the throne. And he has this revelation which goes beyond words. And that's why he has to use pictures to describe it. He also sees God's government and the, and the quality of God's eldership in heaven. He sees the spirit of God and his sevenfold character. He sees the four aspects of Christ. He encounters the holiness of God. He sees the angelic, the workings of the angelic. And finally, he comes, Paul, he, he, he bows before the Lord and declares the worthiness of God, glory glory and honour, and then there comes a deep comprehension of beholding God as the ultimate creator of all things. Now, all this in chapter 4, all this begins once you go into His realm, beyond your own realm. And this is the third open door. And this third door God wants to open to us, the problem is this, that, there is a, uh, that, that this door also means that there is a reckoning that comes. A reckoning that comes because Firstly, our encounters in God's realm is not a ethereal, it's not airy-fairy, it's not like, man, there's no application to it, right? Jesus goes on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he has this amazing encounter. You know, Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, the Father speaks, and then, you know, uh, Peter, James, John, they see this thing. But guess what? They don't stay on the mountain. The very next thing is they go down from the mountain to the valley, and then they're interacting with the people again. And, and the, the culmination of this encounter in the... In, in the mountain, in the Mount of Transfiguration, is the crucifixion of Christ because the agenda on the mountain was that they were talking to Jesus about this crucifixion that's coming, right? So every time you have this encounter in heaven, there is a crucifixion that's coming. There is an outworking that's going to happen, right? And the problem is this, that's a price that people are not quite willing to pay, right? So I want to paint for us these three doors and how different they are. Okay, because it's important for us to understand us. For it's important for us to understand this. And I want to weave these three doors coherently together for us because the first door, I believe these doors are sequential. These doors are a process to which God takes us through. And the first door that always opens to us is an effective door. After salvation, we begin to see purpose. We begin to understand that we have a higher call and there is a reason for why we are alive. And we begin to embrace that. We begin to serve the Lord. We begin to preach the gospel. And we need to keep the effective open door open by not nullifying it. And that's the first step. And I'm saying to us, church, we need to start coming back and thinking and examining this effective door that God has opened to us because many times we have nullified the effective open door. And then the second door deals with our own personal walk with God. And this is, again, important because this is what sustains us. This is what gives us life, right? We come to a place where we are serving and serving and serving, and then we lose a sense of what sustains us, our own personal walk with God. And God calls us back. He gives us an open door, and as we walk through an open door, we end up closing our own doors. And he comes and he knocks and says, let me in. And then we learn to open our, the doors of our heart on a constant basis and he's in. Now with this effective door and with this heart, uh, of our, the, the door of our hearts open, it becomes a potent combination that God calls us to. But that's not the end. There is a higher realm that God calls us to. Not to be satisfied only with Christ invading our lives but to, be sad, to, to come to, to know that there is an even more satisfying place where we are invited into His realm. Amen. 
And it is truly one thing to know God in our own personal life experiences. He heals us, He helps us, He answers our needs, He sends us miracles in our lives, He communes with us, and all that is incredible. But there is more. There is another level of knowing Him where He invites us into His own realm. Amen. You know, Jesus at the birth, at his birth, was incarnated, he came down. But his objective is not to just be here with us. His objective is to bring us to his realm. Amen. We could not ascend into his realm by our own strength. A way had to be made open and it required for Christ to come down first. Amen. No, it's just a simple word for us this weekend. Three doors. And these three doors start the whole book of Revelations off. Just think about the importance of that that, that. that God showed these three doors before He shows us everything else that's going to happen in the last days. To know that we have an effective door, to know that the doors of our heart needs to be open, and to know that there is a door in heaven that's open to us as well. Amen. I want to invite us to stand and I want to ask us to respond, okay? We have a couple of minutes left. <clears throat> and I want to come to the point straight away. And um, today, if we're here, my brothers, my sisters, if you know that God has given you an effective open door and somehow that door has become nullified, somehow we have forgotten what that door is about, today I want to ask you, hey, come back to recognizing that effective door. Walk in that open door. Amen? The second thing is to do with our walk. If today, like my, myself just a few days ago, and we're talking about this and you hear Jesus knocking on your door, Okay, I want to invite you to let him in. Open the door and invite him in. And I'm telling you, this communion that God wants to bring to us is absolutely satisfying. And finally, there's the third place where God's inviting us up to his realm. And it's a costly thing to come up to the, the Lord's realm because what follows after those revelations is a crucifixion that must happen. Amen? Let's all bow our heads, let's close our eyes. And I, I know we have got very limited time and I, I just really want to open the altars I just feel like it's so important for us to respond to God because this is Christians. We are, we are all believers. We are all brothers and sisters. And we don't want our Sundays just to be coming about and having a message. And I just feel like it's so good for us always to be able to open the altars and for people to come and just respond to God. I'm not asking you to respond to me. I'm asking you to respond to the Lord and to what God is speaking in your hearts. And some of us, we need to respond to the first door, some to the second and some to the third door. And we're going to sing a song together and uh, Bob's going to lead us in that song. And as we worship the Lord, I want to ask you to come. If you have nullified the effective door or you just feel like, hey, you have lost direction and the call to God, then I want, to, I want you to come back because I feel like God will infuse us with a fresh passion for the mission He's given to us. And then there's some, you know, if you feel like, hey, I really have kept Jesus out. And I'm not asking you to come and bawl your eyes out or anything like that. Repent, oh God, I, I'm backslidden. No, you're not backslidden, okay? You just, you, we just need to come back to a place of being conscious about having Jesus in us all the time, opening out. And I want to ask you, there's no better time to just come up and do that and just say, Lord, would you just come, would you just renew communion in my life with you? And then finally, the third one is that some of us, we feel this distinct call from God to ascend higher. That there are portals is opening over our lives. 
And, and it's important for us to come up higher and God wants to show things about Himself to us. He wants to change our minds. He wants to change us dramatically from inside out as we gaze upon who He is. The Bible says that we look upon His glory and we are being transformed from glory to glory. Amen. And, um, and if that's you, you know, if that is you, I want to invite you just to come up right now. The altars are open. Just come and we will pray with you. We'll stand with you or maybe you can just come and you can just do business with God on your own, okay? Because if you're opening the doors of your heart, I'll tell you this, you just open, God's going to come. God's going to come. And you're going to sense this fresh connection with the Lord, okay? And we're going to worship this together. And as we worship, I would like to invite you just to come. Amen. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.